Hello and welcome to another This Is The Music podcast. This week we are joined by Jason from Salford Band, The Electric Stars, who back in February of this year released their second album, Velvet Elvis, The Only, Love, the Only Lover Left Alive. Jason, thanks very much for coming on and having a chat with us today. How are you doing? I'm okay, mate. Yeah, I'm all right. Just, uh, just trying, trying to avoid the rain in Manchester, but hey, no change there. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, obviously know, know that very well, the uh, rain in Manchester, and uh, it's definitely been raining down here today on and off, so uh, I'll share the plan. It's horrendous outside, Mark. It's um, hailstone. Oh, wow. We, are, we, are, we haven't <laughs> had that hailstone yet. Hailstone in May. <laughs> yeah, it's mad, isn't it? <laughs> it is. So, um, obviously, as I just mentioned there, we're here to discuss um, the album, Velvet Elvis, and um, which is a brilliant album, and uh, obviously all things electric stars. Uh, the album is sort of effectively a concept album, isn't it, of a, of a front man telling his story, being in a band, and the, and the highs and lows sort of associated with that. So where did you get the inspiration for the album? Um, and as well... Um, the the artwork there which hopefully everyone will be able to be able to see the front cover of yeah um the well first of all I'll, I'll talk about the the kind of idea behind it and um when the electric stars first formed which is it's actually 10 years ago now yeah um we we evolved out of the studio um we came from one or two other bands in the local area uh myself and keith have been with each other a long time Keith is the bass player. Andy on guitar had been jamming with us for a few years, but we'd not really had a lineup that we were happy with. Um, and we went into the studio as a three-piece with no drummer. We had a session drummer um, and no rhythm guitarist. By the time we'd come out of the studio, we'd finished an album. We'd managed to find ourselves a drummer uh, and a rhythm guitarist arrived. The name of the band arrived and we finished this album called Sonic Candy Soul. Yeah. Within Sonic Candy Soul was already the sort of like the the beginnings of the story of this singer in a band, um, which was and listen, there's a lot of autobiographical images that are in both albums, I'd say, um, mainly because of the way I write. I, I write with a combination of observations and things that are within me and my influences. Um, the influences are very easy to spot. You know, we're a rock and roll band. Um, we generate a lot of our vibes and ideas from the late 60s, early 70s. That's no secret. So the first album kind of pointed the way towards not only the way the band sounded and looked and who our influences were, but if anything, it gave us a route into what would become the next album. Um, so... Velvet Elvis, The Only Lover Left Alive, has been written for a long time. It only came out five months ago, yeah. but it was ready to come out quite a few years ago. With one thing and another, we, we didn't get it done. Um, pandemic was just one of the things that slowed it down in the end. Um, and it arrived just, just after Christmas. So I think that, that concept, the story, has been there for quite a few years. Yeah. It's definitely come from the first album, but there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in that story about Velvet Elvis that comes from not just our band, uh, Mark, but, you know, all, all the great rock and roll bands. There's a little bit of Jagger in there. There's a little bit of Morrison. There's a little bit of Biggie Pop and David Bowie. There's a lot of the electric stars in, in, in that as well. So 
it's a melting pot, which is exactly what the band are about and exactly what the first album was about. But this melting pot has got a story from track one all the way to yeah. track 12. Uh, yeah. as, for, as for the artwork, um, I've mentioned this a few times now, but Disraeli Gears by Cream is one of my favourite albums, not only in terms of the sonic sound of it, but also the visuals. Um, I'm a big fan of Arthur Lee and Love, always have been. I wanted to try and combine those two classic albums from that sort of late 60s period, so hence the, the colours and the faces. Um, and the guy that did it for us, a guy called Ben Emery, um, he only really needed a little bit of guidance. Basically said, look, these are the two albums we're looking at. Yeah. Can you... And he said, let me have a go. And he had a go and we looked at it and, wow, straight away, he's got it. So we let him roll with his original idea and that turned into the front cover. But everything else in the booklet is pretty much the story that we've tried to tell yeah. in visuals, images, alongside little quotes from the songs, you know? Yeah. Um, we didn't want people to get lost, Mark, because I, I know you use the word concept album and, and I, I've used it myself. Sometimes I've used that word reluctantly. Um, I, I tend to use the word story, but I'm okay with it now. <laughs> I'm kind of, I've kind, I've kind of learned to live with the fact, yeah, okay, it's a concept album. Um, but the concept, the story, is quite a colourful visual story. There's a lot of ups in it, there's a lot of downs in it, um, and it's all about survival and managing to find a way through these impossible odds of fame, glamour, sex, drugs, lots of rock and roll, and then more of the same again and again and again with the spotlight of the media on top of you. And a, a lot of these heroes of ours, they don't survive. Jim Morrison didn't survive. Jimi Hendrix didn't get through. Brian Jones didn't make it. It's endless, isn't it? Kurt Cobain, endless amount of great rock stars who didn't get through it all. So that, that was the idea of the tale, you know. Um, of course, our guy does get through it all. He, he realises there's something at the end of it. And it's not copious amounts of drugs and sex and so on. It's the music that, yeah. that gets it through. So that... It's pretty much the artwork and the, and the story of, uh, of the album, you know. But we, we as a band, we've done a lot in between album one and album two. It's just that, unfortunately, um, the stuff that we did in between, we should have really done after album two. Um, we ended up doing all sorts of stuff, you know. Um, however, we are where we are, and I'm, I'm pleased to tell you now that album number three has already been written and we've already started to record it. Oh, wow. So, right. Yeah, well, we're moving. We're moving now with a, with a little bit of speed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's great. Great news to hear. So um, you kind of have, have touched a little bit there on the recording process. Um, sorry, the recording of the album, I should say. So wh where did you do it? Um, and obviously, with with the pandemic and stuff, was it was it? Did you manage to get down to the studio? How, how, how did that work? Well, I mean, listen, COVID has made a mess of pretty much everything and everyone, really, worldwide. I don't think anyone's escaped from it. Um, however, there's a few songs from the album that did come out earlier um, in terms of The Only Lover Left Alive and Loaded With Regrets came out as a CD single, followed by Sunshine uh, with a B-side that's not on the album. And then We Love You came out as a download. And each time one of these came out, it was supposed to be us announcing the album's coming and then something got in the way, 
Um, so we, we had all those attempts to record the rest of the songs and failed miserably. Anyway, um, when we got around to the lockdown period, we'd nearly finished the album. So we had to wait for a while until we could move around again. But when we did get that chance, it was back into the studio to finish off the album. Um, the first four songs that I mentioned there were recorded in Vibe Studios in Manchester, which is owned by Martin Coogan. Uh, Martin, of course, from the Mock Turtles. Um, and it's a great studio. But our guitarist, Andy, has now built his own studio, um, which I've got to say, Mark, is fantastic. Yeah. So the other eight tracks on the album have been recorded in, in Andy's studio, which is kind of like an extension at the back of his house, you know? Yeah, sure. Okay, wow. So great, um, really good little backstory there with, you know, different places that you've been, obviously, to Martin's studio and, and obviously to, to Andy's as well. So um, track one, um, Velvet Elvis. Uh You've just gone straight in there straight away. It's obviously a nine-minute uh, track in total, real musical odyssey, um, which I, I personally absolutely love. It's bold um, and sort of captures sort of the, in terms of the album sound, you know, the different genres that it goes through. Sort of, it's almost covered in sort of that one song, if, if you like. Um, is is that a fair reflection? Would would you say or? I think that's. Pretty spot on, to be honest, Mark. I, I remember when um, when we first spoke about not just recording that song, but when we spoke about the album, I was very um, adamant that this album had to be bold because it was telling a story about a very flamboyant rock and roll star um, who was full of colour and energy. Um, there was a lot of sex in this story and in this guy. So... You can't come in there, you know, kind of like uh, apologising with the music and the look. So the whole thing has got to puff its chest out from that first note right to the last part of the song. Um, so someone else um, actually did a review and said it was quite brave of them to start with like this little organ on its own. And, and I wanted that to be almost like a church-like organ because for me, Rock and roll is a religion, um, and this is quite a religious experience, this album. The highs and lows that not only he experiences, but the fans who follow him and follow his band, they love him, they worship him. So it's almost like going to church is going to see the band, you know, saying your prayers, he's putting the music on. And I know that people like us, music fans, who, who just love rock and roll music, we probably spend more time thinking about rock and roll than we do thinking about religion anyway. Um, it's just the way we're made. So I wanted this album to be a religious experience. So that, that sort of church-like organ not only brings in the album, but it brings in this character who is almost elevated to the point of being a messiah to these fans. Um, and one or two people have pointed out that there's elements of maybe Tommy by the Who in, in terms of, the, the, the character there being quite a, almost like a biblical kind of character. Mm -hmm. You don't envision these things when you're writing. Um, when I was writing about Velvet Elvis, it was just about a rock and roll star. But as the story took shape, I injected more truth into the character from my own experience. And I also injected more almost like truths from other rock and roll bands that I admire. 
Yeah. When I put it all together and looked at it, I thought if we can pull this off, this is going to be brave. It's going to be bold. It's going to be colourful, um, and it's going to be pretty big. So you're right. That first track has to announce the character, the album, and the band with with a real punch. You know. Um, so yes, but on the, there's a lot in that first song. You know. Yeah, definitely. I think you just said there he's very bold. Um, to, to go in like that but I, as I say I, I love it and I think it really does um, sort of set the tone and, and, and really get set you up for the for the story and, and for the journey that you're going to be um, you're going to be going along across this uh, across the album so one of the things that is evident throughout throughout all the songs um, are the uh, the catchy lyrics um, particularly the choruses um, and I think that's really demonstrated on uh, Electric Stardust um, is that something that you've always tried to achieve when writing your songs? Yeah, definitely, Mark. Um, we, we often have this discussion in the band, you know, when we're working and... I don't want it to sound pompous at all, but we, we, we always set our sights as high as possible. So for me, when I, when I look at bands to aspire to and singers that I look up to, I, I don't look up to people who are OK. I look up to the best, you know. So when we're talking about guitars and guitar work, we're talking about Jimmy Page and Clapton and Hendrix and Jeff Beck and Keith Richards. When we're talking about bands, we're talking about the biggest and the greatest and the most influential bands of all time. Uh, and songwriting, for me, you have to try your best to write not only a song that appeals to other people, because what's the point in releasing something if people aren't going to like it. I don't get that. You know, you have to have that in mind. If people are going to support you and follow you and spend money to go and see you play live, let alone spend money on your record, they're going to want to buy quality. They don't want to buy a song that sounds like it's a demo by a pub band, you know. Um, so for me, Mark, it's all about if a song's coming through and it's not good enough, it goes in the bin. Yeah. But the only songs that get presented to the band are songs that I think the band are going to go, yep, yeah, that's up to scratch, and then we'll work on it and we'll finish it. Oh, sure. So with, with Stardust, it's a song like one or two others of ours that have been kicking around a while. We know that they're good songs, but they never quite finish the journey because yeah. there's something not right, and we pull it back again, yeah. we work on it, pull it back again. That one was definitely going to be on this album. Um, the trick for me was... Can we make it sound like a combination of the monkeys and the birds with a tiny little bit of Bowie thrown in? Well, we did. Yeah. Uh, when we got that right, then we knew, do you know what? Now it's right. Now it can be released. So aim, aim for the stars, Mark, with your songwriting um, always, because I think if you start accepting things that are not good, not catchy, don't have any meaning or... or substance then that's the the road to downtown you know yeah definitely sure and just um just on electric uh electric stardust i like the um like the indian style outro that you've got there sort of the last 20 seconds or so of the track um and obviously throughout uh some of the songs and you sort of touched on it a little bit before is um there are some religious references um mm -hmm. in the lyrics and stuff um, would you say that you're a spiritual person or is that just purely and simply a, a coincidence as, 
As, no, as, I, I am. I am. There's no doubt about it. I'm not. I'm not one of these people that doesn't believe there's nothing upstairs. There is. There's yeah. something there. I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to preach to anyone because, you know, what what I believe is probably a combination of a lot of different things. However, um, I do believe that you can get into a state where something higher than yourself can guide you yeah. and help you along. Um, for me, at this moment in my life, it's it's probably just music uh, yeah. and, and, and music in its purest form for rock and roll music for me. The, the little section that you mentioned there with that almost like Indian mantra harks back to the first album. There's a track on the first album called Isolation. And the outro of the song is beautiful music for beautiful people. And this is the beginnings of the mantra of the electric stars. Um, again, it might sound a bit, might sound a bit up its own ass, but the idea of that is if you listen to the beautiful music that we give you, then you become part of the beautiful people. It's that gang mentality. But the melody of beautiful music for beautiful people appears at the end of Stardust, played on a sitar. So it's the same melody. So it, it harks back to that mantra, which is, I suppose it's a little bit George Harrison. It's a you know, it's a little bit um it's a little bit of a, a almost like a Harry Krishna yeah. piece of repeated mantra. Mm -hmm. Um it often appears when we play live because we, we'll, we'll play that part on its own live and we'll get people singing beautiful music for beautiful people. Um, it, it is what it is, but it, it, it's one of those things that, again, in the first album, it was obviously going to reappear elsewhere. Um, and Velvet Elvis, as a character, took Sonic Candy Soul and everything with it and dragged it to this higher plane. Um, so yes, well spotted. But that, that's what it—that's what it's about. It is quite a spiritual piece. But what it's trying to say is, this is beautiful music for beautiful people. Um, still, sure, um, brilliant. I, I, I like—I really like that answer. That's a great, great answer. So, um, pop star, um, which is one of my personal highlights from the album. Uh, there's quite a few different influences on there. We've got a, a soundtrack of our lives. I think there's a bit of primal scream in there. Um, and uh, without the obvious comparison of obviously from where you're from up there in Salford, Manchester, of the artists. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so would it be fair to say that, that that particular song, is it sort of having a bit of a pop at sort of today's, you know, reality TV, you know, uh, uh, culture that, that, in my opinion, sadly exists today? Uh, there's two, two sides to that song. First of all, the story of the, the character. Um, obviously, Velvet Elvis and his band are extremely successful. Um, he's beginning to get involved in the trappings, the sex, the drugs, the media. But he's also now looking at the industry from a different point of view because before he was looking in as a young outsider. Now he's a big rock and roll star and he's looking down at the industry and he's looking down at his alleged competition um and yes you're right it is a pop i don't know whether you watched the brit awards the other night um i, I did i missed i missed it <laughs> well, you, you did well to miss it but i i did watch it and I, I sat there agog for pretty much two hours um there was virtually no 
guitar bands on whatsoever. And listen, hey, if there's no good guitar music out there, then fair enough. But you and I both know that there are good guitar bands out there. But the Brit Awards now has turned into a backslapping exercise for pop puppets who mm. are fed to us on Saturday nights with programmes like X Factor and Britain's Got Talent, The Voice, you name it. Every country's got their own version of these shows now. Um, you also know, like I do, that the biggest amount of industry budget is spent on pop stars yeah. and not rock and roll bands, not songwriting artists as such. Um, you look at some of these alleged stars on the TV and they have a writing team of three, four, sometimes five people who will write with them. They probably don't play an instrument. They might play a bit of piano, but nine times out of ten, everything is done for them. They are choreographed. They're dressed with the best fashion designers. The videos cost a quarter of a million pounds. Um, and they're surrounded by people who do exactly what the label wants. So it's a dig at the industry of today. But from, from Velvet Elvis's perspective, perspective, he's looking down at the industry and yeah. he's saying, surely this is what it's about, not that. Yeah. Um, for, from us and, and where we are in 2021, it, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely a shot across the bows as to what we're all subjected to, which is quite sad, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything there that you said. And um, as you say, if, if there's if there's no uh, sort of guitar bands about, then, yeah, obviously totally understand if they're not, you know, up for an award or not been asked to play or whatever at the mm. Brits. Um, but obviously, as you've already said, uh, we both know that that's, that's not true. So it's a... It's, it was it's bizarre, Mark. Yeah. Because it, it was really strange because even in the nominations, there were, there were no young bands, really. I mean, there was... There was some good singers, one or two good songs in there, and there's some people who've been around for quite a while, and I get that, and that's fine. Um, however, I just find it very, very uh, safe, very, yeah. very nice. You yeah. know, there, there yeah. didn't seem to be any danger in there. There didn't seem to be anyone who was saying anything apart from the obvious thanking the NHS and being politically correct, and that's fine, but um, there was no edge to it at all, and for me... The best music, the best music is always music that is challenging. It has a voice. It's got something to say, but there's an edge to it, you know. Um, there was no edge to anything that I saw last night. It yeah. was pretty dull. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right, pop star. It's um, boom. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and that's exactly how it should be. So um, I'm going to talk about uh, Suicide Man. Um, which seems to be quite poignant uh, this week because obviously it's Mental Health uh, Awareness Week and, and the song sort of has quite a um, like a deep meaning to it. Where where did you get the inspiration from from this song? I mean, obviously you've just mentioned there about uh, the obviously the pop star song that he's you know got to the right to the top and sort of almost looking out now at the industry. Is, is that sort of in, is that where the thought process came for that or? Yeah. It in respect to the story, what happens is he, he is now a big pop star, a big rock star, etc. Um, and he's taking a lot of drugs and he's in and out of rehab. And of course, like the rock and roll press are, or used to be when we had decent rock and roll, um, they're assuming that it's a suicide attempt and it's not. It's, it's probably just the rock star enjoying himself a bit too much. However, there's an observational side to it as well. 
that says, listen, you know, irrespective of what it is that's getting to you, whether it's some kind of an addiction or whether it's problems at home or whether it's you've blown all your money and you, you think you're disappearing down the plug hole, whatever it is, you know, there are people out there who are very, very close to pulling the plug. And that's, yeah. that's serious, you know. Within the context of the story, it's not like that. It's more or less one of these rock star in rehab type things because yeah. he doesn't actually do it. You know, he doesn't commit suicide. Um, but yeah, I suppose when I was a kid, people didn't really talk about stuff, Mark. There was no yeah. real there was no real campaigns for mental health or, you know, talk to people and stuff like that. If you had a problem, you kind of kept it to yourself. So I suppose it's something that's emerged in the last few years, which is right, and it's the right way to do things. Um, one or two people have got in touch with me and said, listen, that, that song means more to me because of what's happened in my family, et cetera. It's tricky to talk about, you know, um, because it's very, very real. It, it, it happens. Um, you only have to look at Caroline Flack not so long ago, and she was quite famous, very, very well known. The media, the pressures, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, you know, a talented, successful young woman's gone. So mm. if, if there's anything in there that kind of makes people listen a little bit more and take notice, then that's great. But in the context of the story, it's more about rock and roll star flirting too much with the dark side and he ends up going in and out of rehabs until eventually he cleans himself up, you know. Yeah, sure, sure. And that, that, that fits in, uh, as you say, that fits in really well, doesn't it, with, uh, with what's gone on um, uh, up, up to that point and before in this album. So yeah. um, uh, everything, everyone, um, I think it, obviously this album in, in, is a sort of a, uh, anyway he's sort of pushing ground uh, I think anyway with with the ideas and the different like fusing the different genres of and styles of music together uh, but one of the things that I really noticed on here that I think pushes the ground quite noticeably is that you've obviously got an organ uh, solo in there so where where did the idea come from from first of all getting an organ into the into one of the songs and and going even further with it and, and, and having it as a uh, as like a, a, a well, solo effectively in, in the song. I, I've always been a massive Brian Wilson fan. Um, the, the Beach Boys for me are one of those bands that really, really push things in terms of not only the songwriting, but the harmonies, the feel, the texture. It's very difficult to listen to the Beach Boys and not see sunshine. Really yeah. difficult. No matter what they're doing, they just have sunshine and summer in their sound. Mm -hmm. um, the song Everything Everyone is about meeting a girl. So basically he cleans himself up, comes out of rehab, and the, the clean Velvet Elvis gets on a Greyhound bus in California to relax, and he goes and falls in love. He meets a girl. So it's about that ride along that coastal highway yeah. on a Greyhound bus, and he spots the girl, and instantly he falls in love. But because of where it's supposed to be set, it needed to sound right. And for me, if you're driving along the coast of California, you're listening to the Beach Boys. So we had to make everything, everyone sound very Brian Wilson-esque. Yeah. Um, that's what we aimed for. Uh, Andy, who is obviously our guitarist, he's 
he's become now he's got his studio he's become more of an you know instrumentalist i'd say now yeah, so yeah. he plays, plays a lot of piano he's playing 12 string he's playing um flamenco guitar uh and he's also playing hammond organ as well so on that particular track we listened to a lot of brian wilson sunflower surfs up great albums um and andy played all the hammond parts on it which is just tremendous you know yeah, definitely. I, I, I agree with that. It's, uh, he's, he's done a fantastic job. Um, and I think how you've just explained it, it, it sort of bringing now to me, I can understand it a little bit more. And, and it it really brings, um, yeah, really brings home and hits home, you know, what you were trying to capture. And I, I think um, that you've definitely uh, achieved that on, on, on that song. Exactly. It's, it's tricky, really, because we, without telling people exactly what, goes on in the story there's yeah. a lot of areas where you have to use your own imagination and I'm not too sure whether I've actually said to anybody since the album came out he's supposed to be on a greyhound bus on the yeah. coast of California <laughs> meeting a girl um, so there might be other people who, who hear and feel different things with that song but that was the intention to make you feel like you're looking out the window at the sunshine and the surf and then all of a sudden you look across the aisle and there she is. That's the kind of vibe, you know, that we were after. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that that's quite important there where actually you've just said about, you know, you might say one thing or that makes it all about the album. It makes you feel a certain way, but then I might have something completely different. And um, I think that's quite good, especially on this album, because there's such a story going on. You know, a lot of the times of albums, it's just 10 tracks, bang, you know, there you go. And they don't, necessarily always flow um i think that's one of the good things about the um about bringing other bands into it too much uh but like with the coral i don't know if you've heard their latest album but obviously they've gone for a uh not a kind of like the similar sort of a similar story to what you've done yourself with the theme with you know with how that's worked and and it's really good actually to see how um obviously with yourselves how hard you've actually worked to try and get that story out there and, and to get the songs together and, and make them all you know all, all the tracks flow exactly how you want them to to tell this story of Elvis Elvis yeah I'm, I'm going to get the new Coral album I've not got it yet but I keep promising myself that at some point I'm going to go to a, a record shop that's open so I'm I'm, I'm hoping that's going to be sometime soon uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe weekend, maybe weekend I'll get get along to HMV I don't know but um Co Coral are a great band uh, I've yeah, got to say, um, I've always been a fan. I think I remember when they first signed to Delta Sonic Coral and uh, they did some great stuff. Um, yeah. They've always had a very good understanding of the past and be able to drag it into now with the way they write the songs. Yeah, um, yeah they're a top, top band of Coral for sure, so I'll be, I'll be getting that album. Yeah, I highly, uh, highly recommend it, but... Um... If you are going to record shops, make sure you pick this one up first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, precious um, for me is probably the as a as a southerner um, is the uh, is the most Mancunian uh, sounding song on on this album, um, and I feel that it's it's quite inspired a little bit by the Charlatans because of their like the piano playing that's in it um, and the and the guitar riff sort of halfway through the song. Um, the lyrics sound really positive for me. Is is that is that a fair reflection of of, of the Absolutely, song? Absolutely, yeah. 
yeah and and you're right again with the sound you know we we wanted we wanted a little bit of that sort of like um not not so much brit pop sound but we want yeah. we wanted it to sound like a very very groovy english dance band because yeah. the idea of the song is he's met the girl and he's now with the girl and he's looking at her with very innocent eyes um and it's almost like she's a little bit quirky you know the way she dresses the way yeah. she dances um and he's like he's, he's chatting to her sister you know he's saying look she, she's off her head this girl but i'm totally in love with her um she she's precious she, she's a gem you know um that's the idea of the song but at the same time we wanted to convey that feeling of when you do fall in love and you want to be out and you want to part and you want to dance yeah. together you want to be together you want to go to the movie you want to do everything together you know yeah um and that, that was the kind of feel what that sort of happy dancey vibe which is very much reminiscent of hacienda days when everybody was just having a real good loving yeah. um so it, it was kind of that idea so yeah it sounds a little bit charlatans sounds a little bit primal scream having said that charlatans and primal scream do sound very much like stones you know mm. from about 71 72 yeah so it all harks back to where we're from musically anyway so even though it sounds a little bit sort of like mancunian danced hacienda charlatans really i was listening to a lot of for instance that the soundtrack to performance i don't know whether you're familiar but performance the film with mick jagger from yeah. 68 uh the soundtrack to that is absolutely phenomenal and there's a song on it called Memo and Turner. Um, and Turner is Jagger's character in the film. And the, the bottleneck guitar on that and, and the groove is just outstanding. Check it out, Mark. It's, um, yeah. it's a wonderful film. It's on the edge, you know, with everything it does, it's on the edge. But the soundtrack is just awesome. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to, um, I'm definitely going to check, get that checked out and um, yeah. some people listening as well. Um, let us know your thoughts on the film as well when you get when uh, if you get around to watching it as well. So um, that brings us to uh, one of the songs called "The Only Lover Left Alive," uh, which is obviously sort of part of uh, the album's title. Um, I feel that it's a, it's got a great energy running through the song, um, and it's a real sort of like rock and roll uh, style with the sound and, and stuff like that. And I sort of like feel that maybe you know maybe a Ray Davis or or maybe a Steve Marriott could have could have could have uh, written this one, um, and I absolutely love the the uh, the guitar riff uh, that, that goes on throughout the song. So when you're writing songs, do you ever compare it to sort of like the greats and go, that's as good as anything that they've written, or are you a bit a little, little bit more humble than than, than that? You, you aim for that, Mark. Um, I would never sit there and compare anything we've ever done to... Listen, I think Ray Davis is one of the greatest songwriters that we've ever had in this country. Yeah. I think his lyrics are just off the scale. Um, Marriott, probably one of the greatest voices we've ever had in yeah. this country. Um, so, no, I'd, I'd, I'd never sit anything we do along with our influences, but we always aim in that direction, always. Um, and you're right, the song itself is very powerful. The, the character at this point in the story is now back on hard drugs. So this song is basically about sex fueled by drugs. So he's kind of 
the relationship with the girl now is taking a very dark turn yeah. because he's on he's on too many class A's and it's 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 getting a bit it's getting a bit dark the relationship um, and what he's involved in now with her is it's pretty rough and pretty it's very 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 sexual now and and he's almost lost he's almost lost the romance side of things because he's back on the hard stuff you know yeah um yeah. he's going back to his jim morrison phase should we say <laughs> yeah. which is not good for, for the relationship really is it no definitely no def <laughs> definitely not so um sort of almost carrying on from from that last song there what you were saying we'll obviously go on to um uh, loaded with regrets um and that really brings the pace of the album down um and almost really i think you kind of already hit the nail on the head that this um this song sort of uh it's looking back on the relationship lost love um and obviously like rock and roll excess and all that sort of stuff would you say is this song like sort of semi-autobiographical at all in any way or is it just uh, like for you um or is it just almost like the continuation of of the story for, for for our hero yeah well it's both because from from his point of view because of what happened in the only lover left alive which is total excess he loses yeah. the girl because because of his attitude and his performance in the relationship she basically says i've had enough dear so she drops him um yeah. he's now on his own and of course he's awash with guilt and he realizes that yet again he's made a mess of things. Um, but from my point of view, yeah, I mean, tell me who hasn't lost someone in a relationship, and you think that your world has ended um, because you, usually the first time it happens to you um, when when you're in love and it, and it breaks down is when it hurts the most. So you try and remember those those thoughts and feelings. So you kind of, you know, I, I drew back on that. Um, and use that real life experience and yeah it's, it's it's definitely a song that means a lot to me but then they all do yeah however it fits perfectly into the story I think one of the things that I'm most proud of and I think the rest of the band are as well is that if you pluck any one of the songs out of the 12 and you play them they stand up as being either a good rock song a good dance song, a good love song, whatever it might be. But when you slot them back in again, they instantly become part of the story. Yeah. Um, sure. Loaded with regrets is a is a ballad. Uh, you know, a very heart wrenching ballad, like all those great ballads are. You know. Yeah. Um, but when you slot it back in, it's not just an album track. It it totally works with what he's gone and done to himself by acting in such a crazy way yet again. You know. Yeah. Yeah, sure, totally. So, um, uh, sorry, I left my soul out in the rain. Um, this song, again, uh, sort of breaks ground and goes into a slightly different direction to some of the other songs. Uh, you've got a choir that, that, that's featuring on, on the album, uh, sorry, on that song. Um, is that something that you've always aimed, or that you've always wanted to try and do, is, is to get a choir on, on, on a song um, and and how did you go about getting them involved? Um, we, we did it on the first album. There was a song called Blind on the first album where we, we managed to get girl voices on, on that song and it worked really well. 
Um, and then one of those projects that came along that stopped us from finishing the album was a tribute to George Best. Um, and we, we had a, a two track CD um, yeah. and the, the, the B side was called Georgie, the brightest star. Yeah. And we had a choir on that as well. Uh, so we've, we've done it before. I'm, listen, I'm a big fan of anything that takes a song to a new level, whatever that might be. Sometimes it's something quite simple, like a guitar solo. Other times it's more voices. And we mentioned Brian Wilson before and what he did yeah. with the Beach Boys. I'm also a really big fan of um, female voices mixed with guys' voices. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of what I like in music has that crescendo. Again, it's that spiritual feel, that choral feel, almost like the church choir. Yeah. This song in particular is when the main character realises that there's a light at the end of the tunnel because the song starts, and in truth, when the song starts, he's sat there with a needle hanging out of his arm and he's at the lowest point. And there's, there's a little, there's kind of like a little segue track called Whatever's at the Bottom is Holding You Up. And it's a vicious guitar and vocal part. Mm -hmm. It's really violent. And it's almost like he hits the floor and there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. Because you're at the bottom. So you, you're literally a rhino's eyelash away from disappearing or something's got to drag you back up. I left my soul out in the rain is the point where he realises I'm not going down. This is the bottom, and now I'm going to start looking up. So towards the end of the song, when the girl's voices come in and he's stepping into the light, that's when he realises that something's opening up in front of him. Yeah. At that point, yeah. he, he doesn't know what it is. He just knows that he's not going back there anymore, no matter what he's been through something is dragging him forward and the momentum carries him through. Um, so that's the point where he kind of grabs onto hope, you know? Yeah, sure. And I think, um, obviously, as we said throughout this album, that then takes us on quite nicely to um, We Love You because we've got, we've got the low of the, of the song we've just been speaking about and now we're sort of getting back up to a high um, because, as I say, We Love You... Um, for me, is, a, is an out-and-out -out rock and roll banger. Um, I love the build-up of the guitars at the beginning of the song. Um, and I guess, really, it's almost, for me, it's almost saying that, well, uh, Velvet Elvis has, has got his mojo back, I guess, effectively. Um, so kind of like, what was the inspiration behind this track in terms of the sound and, and, and sort of like fitting in with the, uh, with the story? When he... When he realises that there's something else there, um, he's not quite sure what it is. And We Love You is all about the obsession of the rock and roll star. So mm -hmm. lyrically, it's saying, we want to be like you. Every movement, every moment, we want to be like you. We love you, you know. Yeah. Um, he then realises what it is he joined a band for. And it's not the sex, and it's not the drugs, and it's not the money and the cars. He joined a band because he loves rock and roll music. Yeah. So on stage, when he stood there and he's looking at all these people and they're singing every word and they're miming every movement that he does, to them, he's their hero. And that's yeah. the motivation that basically tells him, I know what it is now. It's not all the other stuff. I've tried all the other stuff. It's all right. But you know what? This is what I want. So yeah. that's why that song feels like a live gig. 
feels like a performance because it's meant to give you that euphoria of being on stage or if you're a fan being at the gig and it's that experience between the fan and the rock and roll star or whether it's people and their religion whatever it might be it's that experience of togetherness and everybody going to the you know to the gig to experience music or listening to the song it fills him with the energy that he needs then um so that's when the light at the end of the tunnel becomes really bright for him yeah sure Todd. i think that's you've you've uh you've summed that up absolutely brilliantly there for me um and i think that's a good um yeah as i say great great summary on on that particular song and obviously where he is at that particular moment in his life so that then takes us on to uh the last song on the album uh which is called impossible odds uh rock and roll save me um i feel that it's a sort of quite a classic um sort of album closer uh, closer um it's got the you know uh good good tempo to the song but it also captures uh again a bit like first first track captures the spirit and the music of the album again all 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 in one is was that always sort of the intention for the last song of the album to to sort of finish in the way that it's finished yeah um very similar to the first song which kind of paints a picture as you go into it yeah the last song lyrically is saying you know what those previous 11 songs have been a right roller coaster. <laughs> However, no matter how impossible it's been, I've got through it. Yeah. I've got through it. I'm fine. I'm calm. This is me. Um, it's been it's been tough, but I'm through it and I'm gonna survive. The bit at the end, rock and roll save me, um, is it's a little bit cute because there's 12, there's 12 lines in that song. And every line comes from the 12 songs. Yeah. So the first line is from track one and so on, all the way through to the final line, which is from track 12. Um, it's like the album in two minutes as opposed to an hour. You know, yeah. it tells rock and roll, save me, tells a story, but it's just taken lines from each song and put it together to give you that outro of, um, you know, of, 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 of rock and roll save me. And that, that's really what the whole story is about, yeah. you know, um, as far as rock stars are concerned, you will experience all those things and more. And some people get through it and some yeah. people don't. Um, it might, it might ruin you as a person. It might just ruin the band. Some bands break up and form other bands. Uh, it might push you all the way and we might never see you again. Or you might just keep your head straight and survive the whole thing. And listen, my my, my favourite band, my biggest influence is the Stones. Yeah. And the Stones have now been rocking and rolling almost 60 years. And they were probably the band that everybody said they're going to last 10 minutes. Um, they've only lost one of the guys. They only lost Brian Jones. The rest of them are still kicking and screaming. I do not know how, but they're a, they're, they're a great example of a band that didn't fall down the plug hole. They carried on producing, producing, playing bigger gigs and producing. Um, they've got a new album that's coming out anytime now, and they're going to try and go and do another tour when, when we can again, you know. Yeah. And like I said, it's 60 years, 
Um, so they're a great example of a band that's been through everything and found a way to survive through all those impossible odds, you know. Yeah. Um, and that, that's really what it's about, Mark, you know, fictional characters, but it's about rock and roll bands, rock and roll singers, rock and roll fans. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. So um, obviously we just, you just touched on there, um, uh, the Stones are the touring um, and obviously now lockdown easing. So is the plan now for the Electric Stars, is it to, to get out and start touring, touring the album or...? Yeah, we, we, we've got one gig booked in that we can confirm, and, and that's it. And it's the, uh, I think it's the tw- 20th of November, and it's yeah. in Essex. I think that's okay. the only thing we've got confirmed, because okay. up until a few weeks ago, the landscape was still a bit wobbly, you know? Yeah. Um, so we've got that confirmed. We've got a lot of people coming in and offering us gigs, but what most people are asking for is, can, can you play the whole album live? Yeah. Uh, and the answer simply at the moment is no. <laughs> because we've, <laughs> we've, we've, not, <laughs> we've not even been in a rehearsal room yet. You know? right, okay, um, yeah, yeah. And the, the album was written and recorded in such a way that the band haven't really all been together. Sure, um, yeah. So, first of all, we're going to have to get in a rehearsal room and learn it as a band, um, which is an hour and two minutes of live entertainment, yeah. which will be more like a show, I would imagine, when we do it, you know, rather than just a selection of songs, it's more like a show. Um, yeah. And then once we've done that, you know, um, get, get ready to gig it. So the, the first time we're going to do that is November. Right, um, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, um, it's a challenge. Um, and whereabouts in, uh, in Essex is that gig? Yeah, it's in Brentwood. Um, it's a place called the Brentwood Arms, which is one of those classic rock and roll venues where it's kind of like at the back of a pub, yeah. um, which is where a lot of these great venues started from, like the the the, the Half Moon in Putney. Yeah. Um, we we got a place in Manchester called the Witchwood. You know, that's at the back of the back of a pub, but they kind of evolved into venues. You know, as the years go by, and it's a great venue. It's run by a guy who has had us on there. I think we've been there twice before now. Um, so it's a fantastic venue. That's the first and only thing we've got booked in, but there will be more, I'm sure. Yeah. Whether they arrive before November, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how the land lies um, now that we're, we're kind of coming out of the closet, as, as you would you would say, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, as, as I, um, part of the reason that I was asking there about whereabouts in Essex was because that's where I live. So, um, uh, oh, right, okay. And, uh, and Brentwood's not too far from me, so um, I'll have to look up, get the ticket link sorted out and, and, and try and come down and catch, uh, catch you live for that. And I'll, I'll uh, speak to you when we finish and, and let you know exactly where, where it is, Mark. It's a great yeah. venue. Brilliant. You'll love it. Brilliant. I look forward to that. So um, I guess we've obviously sort of kind of touched on it a couple. You've said there about uh, you've got a, a gig uh, not in the not-too-distant future. Um, and you did say as well earlier on that you've um, you've got a third album um, mm. sort of basically in the bag. So... I guess that they're the next sort of things that are in that are in the future for the band. Is that would that be correct? Yeah, I mean the the, the third album. Bit bizarrely, we it took us took us virtually ten years to complete album number two. Album number three was written while we were mixing and mastering this one. Um, 
So it came out. It came out in uh, I think it was like de December, January when when Velvet Elvis actually came out and people got the CD. Um, this one was virtually finished while the CDs were being posted, and over oh, the last man. few months it's been finished now. So we've got a full track listing. We've already recorded one song. Um, there's ten songs on it, and I'm very excited about the project because the project is going to be very different to what we've done before. Sonic Candy Soul was a rock and roll album. Velvet Elvis was basically a, a concept album or a story. We've all, always had good artwork with both albums. However, this one is going to be very different. The packaging is going to be completely different to what we've done before. We're working with a very good friend of ours who runs his own art uh, I'm going to say it's an emporium because what he does is amazing. Um, it's called Figment Art and uh, he's a great lad, James. We're working with him to wrap up this album in such a way that it will look completely different to anything we've ever done before, certainly. Yeah. So it's quite a challenge. It's very brave. But when it does come out, there's going to be something extra special that comes with it, um, which I can't quite tell you yet. Because even though I know what it's going to be, we still got to confirm a few things. Yeah. But it will be coming out with something else. Um, what I can tell you is I'm obsessed with the combinations of art. So yeah. I love fashion. I love art, poetry, music. I love film, video. So I want to be really, really creative with this third album. When it comes out... I want it to be, I wouldn't say a pop art experiment, but I want it to be more than just one form of art. I want it to contain visuals that are just as stunning as the music. And yeah. I want it to contain some written piece that will travel as well as all those three albums. Um, so it will be an art package yeah. based around the electric stars. Okay, brilliant. So, um, and on that note, unfortunately, that is the end of the podcast. Um, Jason, thank you very much for coming on um, and talking about Velvet Elvis, The Only Lover Left Alive and the electric stars and, and obviously exactly where you all are um, with, with with your future plans and everything. Um, I found this really, uh, this chat insightful um, and I've loved the passion that you've got for this album and, and, and for music in general. Um, and to borrow your quote um, that you used, uh, that you gave me for the album review that we did, um, this album really is beautiful music for beautiful people. Um, the album can be purchased from electric, the, sorry, theelectricstars.com um, and is available to download and stream in all of the usual places. Uh, the Electric Stars can be followed on their Facebook page. Um, if you've downloaded this as a podcast, please click subscribe on your listening provider and tell all of your friends. Jason, thanks very much. Uh, hope you've enjoyed it. Um, I certainly have and uh, hope to catch you again uh, very soon and hopefully see you at the gig. Listen, Mark, thank you for, for having us on and the support you've given us. I know, I know you did a, a fantastic review for us a while ago, so much appreciated. I hope to see you at that gig maybe in November. And, uh, and thanks for supporting new original music. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate.